It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. On today's episode, both Tim and I did a little bit of uh, sandbar slash beach fishing. So, you know, the water the water's getting a little warmer and uh, we're, we're making the most of it. So uh, I'll let Tim start out. Tim, what do you got today? Yeah, as Tanner said, uh, I was able to make it to the sandbar this past Saturday. Not uh, really great weather, unfortunately, um, but it, it ended up being a, a nice day at the sandbar. It was my wife's birthday on Sunday, so she wanted to go to the sandbar on Saturday and, and uh, spend some time out there with the dogs. So uh, I obliged. We, we do like going there. I, I like the fishing this time of year. It's, it's generally really, really good. Uh, April into May is, is pretty much, I'd say, the hottest time of year for that, that area for snook. Um, this time last year, I, I caught a couple snook over 40 inches out there. So I'm getting excited. The water's warming up um, and the snook are starting to move. This trip, it wasn't big snook. I didn't really get into the big snook like I have in the past and what I was trying to target. Um, had a hard time making bait. Um, getting bait was a little bit tough. Um, really strong winds, cloudy. Um, kind of stagnant water, wasn't really moving, um, had kind of a weird uh, slack tide right in, the, right in the early morning between like 6 and 8 a.m. So uh, when that happens, it was just really tough to get the bait off the flats. Um, my chump slick wasn't getting out there and they, and they weren't really um, responding to it, but got a bunch of pinfish, not as many as I would have liked to have, maybe maybe four dozen or so mixed bag of size from little ones all the way up to some really big ones the size of your hand. Um, so I was ready when it came, came to pinfish, um, which is my favorite bait out there on the sandbar anyway. So I was happy. Um, get out to the sandbar and um, it was just a weird day, you know, super cloudy, super windy, wasn't really getting anything to bite. Once the sun came out, I started seeing some small, um, you know, maybe 20 to 24 inch snook crews and made some sight casts of them, ended up catching a couple small snook. And, and I was seeing where they were coming from was around the corner of the sandbar where it's deeper water and, and actually some current was coming. So I was making casts over there and I was catching snook and then big trout and then just one after another, um, nice fish, really big trout. Um, got, got a couple of the boat that were, you know, 23, 24 inches, which is, you know, I consider a really nice trout. Um, and then, then this guy pulls up and anchors up right where I'm fishing. Um, you know, not a problem. I was throwing feet from his boat and still catching them, but, um, there was two guys and, and I was trying to help them out. I could, I could tell that they were, you know, struggling. They weren't catching anything. Um, and I was telling them like, Hey, right there guys, you know, um, what are you using for bait? Oh, greenbacks. Okay. Well, I got pinfish if you want it. Oh, good for you. They were, they were just being kind of, kind of jerks, to be honest with you. Um, finally they came around. I, I told them to take off their big weights and to, and to dial back their leader and, and, uh, was able to give them about a dozen pinfish and they started catching trout and snook. So, um, just want to remind everyone that if you're out and, and you're struggling that, you know, generally speaking, I, I try to help out other fishermen and they were on a nice boat. They had nice uh, tackle. They just weren't really, um, weren't really doing what was working. So um, ended up catching, I don't even know how many trout, 
probably half a dozen snook. I, I ran out of bait. Um, I caught so many and, and there was some really big ones. I, I lost a couple really big trout. I don't know how big um, on some of those big pinfish. I just think the pinfish are too big for them to really swallow and, and get hooked. But um, good day. The sun came out, the wind died down a little bit and then everybody came out on the water. It was one of those days that once the sun came out around 10 AM, everybody that had a boat decided to get on the water and it got so busy, I couldn't fish anymore. And, and since we were so early there and the tide was coming in, we actually had to, uh, had to leave because people were just parking their boats out in front of us. And if, if people kept filing in like that, we, we wouldn't have been able to leave. So we ended up getting out of there and, and uh, just went putzing around the intercoastal for a little bit instead. But good day. Um, you know, you hate to see that, you know, you run out of bait. That's something that I always try not to do, but it is what it is. And uh, I was happy to, to give them a dozen pinfish to let them uh, share the experience. So hopefully they can take that away. And, and maybe next time if, if they see someone in need or someone approaches them to, to try to help them out, they won't be so standoffish. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, it's always kind of baffled me how some people get really, uh, rude and territorial about fishing spots, you know, especially in somewhere like Tampa Bay, where you're not even allowed to keep anything. It doesn't even make any sense at all. Yeah, it, it was baffling because they pulled up and I, I think they were, I don't, I don't know what they were fishing for because I had a bunch of big conventional tackle. I think they were trying to troll for kings and it was just too, it was just too windy, but they also had a big live well full of greenbacks that they said they bought from a, a local bait retailer. Um, but, but they were just throwing with, you know, probably 50 pound test leader and, and big old weights, you know, three eighths, half ounce weights. And I'm just like, come on guys. Like you, you have a lot of the tools at your disposal to do, to do a good job and to catch fish, but they, they weren't getting anything on those greenbacks. So I gave them some pinfish and, you know, even though they were, you know, kind of rude at first, you know, I, I told them like, Hey, you know, like you parked in a good spot, like try this, maybe try that after they weren't catching anything. And like I said, they were pretty much just like, you know, good for you. I know, I know at one point they said that twice in a row, good for you. And I told them I caught a snook, you know, right next to their boat. And it just, you know, that's the wrong attitude to have. You're out there to have fun and enjoy nature. And um, I just, I hope that, I hope they come out with a better attitude next time. Cause it didn't, it didn't look like they were having a whole lot of fun. Maybe they had just got beaten up offshore, but I don't know. It was a, it was a good day. Um, I, I hope that uh, I, I can get back out there soon before too much time goes by because those uh, snooker are, are about to start really, really feeding to get ready for their springtime spawn. So those big snook are going to be uh, cruising soon. Absolutely. Now, Tim, one thing I feel like we kind of have gotten away from a little bit in our earlier podcast, you know, we were always very specific and in-depth to cover the rigs that we were using. Um, and I, I feel like in our, our more recently, we haven't discussed that as much, I guess, because we've told each other um, what rigs we use. So we kind of have an idea. But just in case there's listeners that just pick up for one podcast here or one podcast there and don't want to go back 20 episodes to hear what we're, uh, we're using for snook in shallow water. Can you tell me specifically leader, hook, weight? Uh, what you were using right here? Yeah, so I'll kind of start with a rod and reel first. Um, I was using a seven and a half foot um, Hurricane Redbone, uh, medium heavy one piece rod with a, uh, a Penn Slammer 3 3500 class spinning reel. 
Um, that one specifically has 20 pound test um, braided line as its main line. And I was using 25 pound fluorocarbon, um, Berkeley Prospect fluorocarbon, which we've talked about before, but I find it to be uh, a really good value. I can get high capacity spools of it. It's got great abrasion resistance and it, it really holds up for both inshore and offshore. Um, from there, I was using maybe about a, a eight to 10 foot liter of that, just because I like to have a long liter, um, provide more uh, length of that fluorocarbon, especially when you're using braid, especially to, to liter or line shy fish like, like the snook are. Um, and when they fray up with their, with their um, kind of sandpaper mouth or gill plates, I can cut it back, you know, six, eight inches at a time, every other fish or, you know, whenever it becomes, you know, impacted. And that way I'm not having to retie um, a line to line knot every, every couple minutes. So I like long leaders. And then I was using um, a two watt owner circle hook. And I generally don't use circle hooks very often. Uh, in shore, I, I actually don't use them really often ever. Um, but I was trying these circle hooks just because uh, these trout were, they weren't ambushing it really quickly. They're actually being kind of funny and uh, they would grab the bait and swim right at you. So uh, a lot of times I wouldn't even feel them hit. I would just kind of feel my pinfish stop wiggling or get really spazzed out and then it would just stop. And then my line would be coming straight at me. So I didn't want to miss these fish. So I, I changed to a circle hook and, and that seemed to be what was working best. Well, sounds like a really awesome day, Tim. Yeah, it, it ended up being good. Um, you know, my wife had a great time. Uh, we got out on the water, had a safe day. So, you know, it's success in my eyes. And um, I know you had some, uh, some friends in town and a busy weekend yourself. So uh, what did you get into? Yeah, I actually went to them. So I went to Juno Beach, okay. um, which is about an hour and 20 minutes north of Miami. Uh, it's a beautiful beach. Um, I, I've been there twice before, I think. Um, I fished there once and had a snook cut me off on the pier. Uh, so we got there Saturday around 630. And I didn't really know what we were going to fish for, whether it be Pompano or primarily going for snook. Um, so we went to the bait shop uh, around there and we asked them and they said that everybody was fishing for pompano and they were using uh, fish bites with clams or shrimp. So we get some electric chicken, which is that uh, green and pink combo uh, fish bites and went out there. And as soon as we got to the beach, uh, you know, there were three of us and we were, we were still on the fence whether or not we wanted to go pier or beach. Um, but we looked over just to the south of the pier and there was about 30 rods lined up of people in a cluster, um, you know, apparently fishing for pompano. So we decided that we were going to go out there and uh, see, try to get some pompano first. So we posted up and it was slow, you know, or I take that back. On the second cast, one of the guys we were with was throwing a plug into the surf and caught a decent sized Spanish mackerel. Um, second cast of the day, he just had like a little tiny lure. Cause I think there's a lot of glass minnows on the beach. Um, he got that good Spanish and we were sitting there waiting on the pompano using a little bit of clam, a little bit of fish bites. Um, we were fishing a three hook rig, um, you know, three little circle hooks and boy, was it frustrating to start out. The people next to us were cranking in pompano left 
and right. And we could not catch a pompano to save our lives. Um, you know, we fished for about an hour with, other than that, a Spanish mackerel, we got a blue runner and that was it. And uh, so I, I was getting really frustrated. And I said to our, our mutual friend, Jimmy, Jimmy, if these other guys catch five more pompano and we still catch nothing, I'm because we don't have, or I didn't have a surf rod. So I was just fishing my regular rod and my theory began to develop that I wasn't able to get it out far enough. So I said, Jimmy, if, if I don't get one, by the time they catch five more, I'm taking my shirt off and I'm swimming this bait out, um, out to the depth of where these guys are throwing. So sure enough, they caught about seven more. And, uh, so I did it, took my shirt off, swam out about, 70, 80 yards. I uh, actually got one of the hooks stuck in my toe on the way out the first time. So uh, that wasn't very much fun, but left it out there. Uh, meanwhile, our other friend uh, that was with us was fishing right, right off the beach and he caught a pompano right out of our noses. After he got done throwing the lure for Spanish mackerel, pulls out a pompano. I swam out there, still didn't have anything. Um, so he pulled one out. So at least the, between the three of us, we had a pompano. Um, which was the target species there. Not long after that, with the line, I swam out. I was about 20 feet away from it and it got hit. So Jimmy grabs the rod that I swam out and uh, pulls in, pulls in the second pompano. Um, and then, you know, it kind of slowed up a little bit. We got a couple other nibbles, caught another blue runner. Um, and finally the last cast was like, all right, I'm swimming it out one more time to see what happens. And, you know, we were running out of, cause those fish bites, I didn't realize how quickly they dissolve. So they were just kind of getting nibbled by little blue runners, dissolving and uh, finally slam. I knew, I knew it was the pompano. Uh, and, and I got my pompano at the very end, put up a great fight. Um, it was worth all the swimming that I did. Well, you know, you were determined to get those pompano. And, you know, I, I got a question. Did you end up talking to those people next to you? Do you think it was the, just the distance? I mean, obviously it paid off with, uh, you know, two fish um, when you swam it out there. But were they using similar rigs and, and uh, fish bites and clams also? Or what was their deal? Yeah, some of them had fish bites and clams. Some of them had fish bites and shrimp. But, yeah, basically the same rig. But they had those long, you know, nine, 10 foot surf rods. And I just had my regular uh, seven and a half foot uh, shore rod. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, you, you went above and beyond to make it happen. That's for sure. Did, did they have anything to say when they saw you swimming out there out into their, near their spread? Uh, there was an older couple next to us and they, they thought it was pretty funny. Um, but they, again, had those, those huge surf rods and they could just launch it much farther than I could. You know, I, I had an ugly stick tiger. I don't know if it's six and a half or seven, but it's the rod I usually use to catch the jacks off the bridge. You know, it's my bigger boat rod, but I don't have a designated surf rod and I just couldn't launch it that distance, um, out to the Pompano territory. Yeah, well, it seems like those pumps were really running down the beach. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, I know that that's a really popular fishery for a lot of people, um, and they're tasty. Did you end up uh, keeping those pompano? Uh, so the other guy, Connor, he he lived locally. 
Um, and he brought his cooler. The other two of us didn't. So, uh, you know, I was staying in a hotel. I didn't really have anywhere to put them. So he took all three Pompano in the Spanish mackerel. So he sent a picture of it to me last night and it looked, uh, looked pretty tasty. Yeah. Lucky guy, man. He gets, he gets three Pompano in a Spanish. That's not bad, huh? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, like I said, they, I don't have a ton of experience with Pompano, but, uh, they, they look tasty. They're really fun fish to catch. I actually may try to employ the same tactic uh, this week in Miami. See if I can pull one out of here. Yeah, I was wondering if if uh, you were going to bring kind of that, the, the experience that you had in Juneau, bring bring it down south to Miami, try the fish bites, um, and see if see if you could get them down there. I mean, they got to be moving up and down the beach, right? Yeah. The the one issue I foresee is usually when I fish early in the morning, there's a lot of. Uh, elderly folks that swim up and down the uh, up and down the beach so if I'm throwing way out there for pompano you know I feel like I have to be pretty close to the jetties um, to kind of get away from the swimmers because you know the last thing I want to do is hook a 65 year old person swimming down the beach uh, when I'm when I'm fishing for pompano and if you really get it out far to where the, the pompano were in Juno, in Miami, I have a feeling that uh, you might catch a little bit more than a pompano. So I, I, I'm, I think what I might try to do is next time I go waiting for snook, just kind of leave that one out near the rocks. But I, I am a little concerned that, you know, if you're too close to the rocks, you're going to have chubs, little snappers. Um, you know, you're not going to get the that sandy bottom that the pompano like. And then if you go too far from the rocks, you know, you're going to run into your swimmers. So I, I think it's going to be a tough balance, but I am willing to, to give it a try. Yeah. Give it a shot. And, uh, you know, from experience that it's not a whole lot of fun to be swimming out there and get caught, you know? Yeah. It's been not been <laughs> long and, uh, it, it is no fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, I, I think it could work. Um, and you just put it in the put it in the spike. And then if you leave your circle hook on and, you know, I'll go wade fish for snook, tarpon, jacks. And if I see that rod jumping behind me, go back and see if I can get a pompano uh, while I'm multitasking. Yeah. Sounds like a winner. Uh, I look forward to hearing uh, how it works. See if it translates from Juneau to Miami. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Tim, again, um, I'm sorry. We did have, like I said, the question last week about Seaspiracy. We had one other question, but it wasn't very in-depth. Um, so I also forgot what it was, and I don't even remember if I saved it on my phone. So please send us questions. You know, we see a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that we don't really know who you are, um, but we know we're getting listens. So if, if, you, uh, if you want to, please just you know, send us a message on the um, Instagram is the easiest way, fish casting or fish facts TV, or you can send it to Tim, um, you know, and ask us any questions. Even if you think it's a stupid question, just something that we can discuss. Um, it is a good question. And we would like to get a guest. I have a really exciting guest um, that I want to get, but um, you know, the scheduling has just been tough lately. So hopefully in the summertime, we'll both have a little bit more of a uh, reasonable schedule so we don't have to, um, you know, lately we've been kind of all over the place with our schedule. Um, so to close out today, we're gonna do a fish of the week, the green job fish. 
Aprion virenses. Tim, what can you tell me about the green job fish? Yeah, this one is right in my wheelhouse. Um, I know so much about this fish. Uh, I actually don't. Um, I know that this is one that you used to get into uh, when you're in American Samoa. Never caught one of these. Don't think I've ever even seen one. Um, so I'm going to punt it to you. I, I know you got a fair amount of experience with them. So uh, what can you tell me about the green job fish? Yeah, the, the green job fish are one of the more popular um, snapper species that live in the Pacific anywhere. You know, I've seen them caught in Hawaii. I've caught them in American Samoa. And I know they live all the way Australia, I think all the way up to Japan, Guam. You know, they, they have a pretty wide range around the outer Pacific. Um, they are in the snapper family Lutjanus but they're not in the snapper genus. So they do look very similar to most of your snappers, but they're more laterally compressed. Almost like if you, if you, if you took a snapper and you almost squished it down, so it was more shaped like a, I don't know, maybe a round, like a giant cigar minnow-ish shape, you know, like very round, um, but they have a big fork tail and, you know, the, the face is obviously a snapper, um, but they're very popular out there. I never caught a ton of them. Um, here and there, the, the biggest one I caught was in about 100 feet fishing a piece of cut sardine on the bottom. Um, you know, very excited. It was probably about 24 inches. Um, so very good. I mean, the meat tastes like snapper meat fun to fight. And another time we really got into them, uh, we were fishing 300 or 350, um, dropping jigs. And we were just bouncing the jigs off the bottom. I was using my regular pin 650. And there's another fish they have out there called an emperor, which kind of looks like a cross between a snapper and a grunt. So every, but they taste like snapper. Every other drop, I was catching a job fish or an emperor, one after another, after another. We probably caught you know, 10 each, and there was three of us on the boat. And all of a sudden, my, my reel started screaming about the fastest I've ever heard it scream. Um, but I already was down about 200 feet when I got the hit. So, you know, the line capacity on that spinning reel isn't really designed for uh, that kind of depth, you know, but when you're catching 18 to 20 inch snapper, doesn't really matter. But when you hook up on you know, I think it was probably a tuna, uh, either a dog tooth or a yellowfin tuna. We got no shot. Hmm. Well, you know, those job fish, they sound pretty neat. I'd, I'd love to get on one or, or give it a shot. I just, my Pacific, uh, my Pacific fishing, I just haven't, haven't done it um, really at all. But I, I am going to be going to Oregon this summer and uh, going to try some Pacific fishing and I don't know if they have them there, but I got to look into it because um, I've never, never done anything over that way. And uh, I'm going to be learning hopefully a lot about a bunch of new species I can bring back and see if any, uh, any of my skills over here translate. Yeah. You know, that, that's what I found is fishing skills always translate. They might not translate directly. You know, when, when I was fishing there in American Small, a lot of it was trial and error for my first several months, but, you know, basically uh, using those, um, same methods. Actually, the most effective method was fishing chicken rigs with bluegill hooks for trigger fish. Hmm. Limited with squid. 
unlimited trigger fish I used to catch all the time. Oregon, I don't think you're going to get uh, those job fish. I, I think you got to go to at least Hawaii. But uh, in, in Oregon, you're, you're going to get probably a lot of salmon. Um, and then they have a, a lot of other like coastal saltwater fish. I think there's some halibut. Uh, but, it, but it's a little bit different fishing up there. Yeah, it's funny just, you know, regionally where you go, it, it, you know, the, the fish species change so much. And you're absolutely right. The, the bucket list fish for me that I'm going to up to get up there to catch, it's not an ideal time of year, but I want to get on some king salmon. So going to give that a try. And, um, you know, that's here in another month and a half or so. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll work and uh, can, I can bring some stories back for, for the listeners. Yeah, well, that guest I wanted to get on the podcast is an Oregon native, so we got to get him on here before uh, before you go out there, and maybe he can drop you some tips and put you on some spots. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll take any tips possible. I'm I'm bringing out one one rod that's going to be checked in my suitcase that shows you how small it is, and uh, you know a half dozen lures. So we'll see. I could strike out or could strike gold or silver in this case if I get onto some salmon. So we'll see. All right, guys, um, we're going to wrap it up a little early today, uh, but thanks for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, and submit any questions via Instagram. Tim? Yeah, um, you know, I I would tell the listeners to go and and look at some of the big trout I caught, but I actually, our our trout, um, I try not to bring them out of the water. Uh, so I didn't get any pictures of them. I, I try to, to, to really handle them in a fragile way just because they're, they are delicate. And, and with the red tide we had a couple of years ago, I, I really try to take care of the trout. So I don't have any pictures of the trout I caught. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Um, this upcoming weekend, I don't think I'm going to do any fishing because it's the last weekend of turkey season. So uh, maybe we can talk turkey next week and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'd love to hear about the turkey. So uh, good luck with that. Thank you, sir. And uh, thanks everyone to listen.